Welcome to Eastlake. We are an inclusive faith community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, seeking to live out a more just and life-giving spirituality in the modern world. We see faith as less about doctrines and dogmas demanding total agreement, but a life to be lived, enjoyed, and given away to others. What unites us is a growing awareness that life is a gift and love is the point. We welcome the entire human family, regardless of race, age, creed, physical abilities, marital or economic status, gender identity, or sexual orientation. So if you are curious and have come to see, if you are tired and have come to rest, if you are grateful and have come to share, if you are journeying and have come to grow, if you are wounded and have come to heal, if you are joyful and have come to shine, welcome home. Today, we hear from Meg Hepner as she continues our series, The Great Patterns. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Right, welcome here everyone. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Meg Hepner and I am coming to you from South Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. So that means I am your friendly Northern neighbor. <laughs> and because I'm coming from South Surrey, that also means that I am located on the unceded traditional territories of three First Nations communities, both the Samyamu community, the Katsi community, and the Kwantlen community. And I say that in recognition that although I call Canada home, I am also very aware that I am a guest here. So a little bit about me so that you know who the heck it is that's chatting with you today. Um, my husband James and I, we have been married for 21 years and we have two teenage sons. Roan is 16 and Harrison is 14. And we've called Eastlake home for about three years now. And I have to be honest, you came to us at just the perfect time. So James and I, we grew up in extremely conservative households. And that fit for a very long time until we jokingly say that we had our midlife crisis, which included us selling the business that we had worked at 12 plus years and selling half of our possessions and then moving halfway across the country. And the interesting thing about that experience is when you're in an area where nothing that would normally keep you tethered to your identity is there anymore, is that you start questioning all these things that you never thought you would question. And our faith and the belief system that we had um, built around our faith was one of those things that we started to question. And we went through it a real series of just being lost and wandering and being completely off balance. And you met us there and you created this really safe space for us to explore that. And um, we are so appreciative of that. That was just an absolute wonderful thing for us. So you came to us at the perfect time and we um, are just so thankful. We're going to dive into the different ways that human beings fall into patterns of thinking, patterns of belief, and patterns of feelings, and how that imprints itself on our psyche, and then how that reflects how we show up in the world. 
And I love this because in a world with 8 billion people and everyone having their own unique and individual experience, I love the idea of some patterns that we can all relate to and that we can use as a way to connect and as a way to gain understanding in each other. And so if you're anything like me, you will love this series. I'm fully aware that not everybody needs that, um, but I do. And so if you're like me, you are gonna love this series. On a more technical side, it was Carl Jung who made this, this idea of archetypes really accessible and popular and made them a key, um, a key idea in psychology. And he also taught us to look for them in stories, both stories from the past and current stories, which is kind of neat that that's often where we find them best exemplified. That being said, Archetypes is actually something that started way, or an idea that was formed way earlier than Carl Jung. It's actually found in Greek philosophy where it was given the idea, the name of um, original idea or original form. And so although we give Carl Jung a lot of credit for it, um, it is something that's quite a bit older than him. So today we're going to jump into the great mother archetype. And we all have this deep connection with the great mother archetype because we were all born into this world being vulnerable and needy and, and weak. And we needed this really nurturing, caring, loving energy to come and support us so that we could have life, right? So if you think about it, that's a really good reason to have this imprinted in us so deeply because our need for it was so great. Now, some of us, we didn't have our biological mother available to us or our biological mother maybe wasn't emotionally available to us. Irregardless of that, we still have a deep connection with the mother archetype in our psyche and we project that archetype onto someone if our mothers were not available. Um, so whether we project that onto our aunties or onto our grandmas or onto our teachers or in some cases even onto the men in our lives, so our fathers or our uncles, um, if they were a great nurturing presence in our life, we will project this archetype onto them as well. Now, I have to be honest, I so wish that I was sitting across the table from you right now and you could tell me what image pops into your mind when I say the great mother archetype. Because one of the things I found as I was reading about her, she's so elusive, right? The minute you think you've grasped her or the minute you think you understand her, she changes and she slips through your fingers. So the minute you've named her, is the minute you have to unname her because she wears so many different faces. She can come to you as the goddess. She can come to you as the maiden. She can come to you as an actual mother. She can come to you as a, as a witch or a hag or as a fairy godmother. She has so many different faces and some of those faces at times feel very contradicting. That being said, she does have certain characteristics. So when she comes to us, she carries a certain type of characteristics regardless of the face that she wears when she comes to us. And so some of the things that you can expect if you are interacting with this great mother archetype is that she will come to you in a form that's incredibly nurturing. And 
incredibly supportive and creative and very womb-like with this idea of I'm holding space for you to process, but I'm also going to push you when you need to be pushed. And she's full of, of wisdom and um, of intuition and of ingenuity and resourcefulness. And she can take the, the smallest, most wounded little seed or little being, and she can just bring it to life. And what's really neat is no matter how she comes to us, um, she will come in the form of a mentor or a tutor, or she will bestow gifts onto us. And the gifts that she bestows onto us are the gifts that she herself possesses. So when we take this wisdom from the great mother archetype, when we come into contact with this, if we're open, she will actually give us those gifts and then we can carry them ourselves, which I think is actually really quite incredible because as you look at all the beautiful things that she is, it's an overwhelming thing to think that she would also bestow those beautiful things um, onto us. And one of my absolute favorite stories about this great mother archetype is sort of, sort of the OG, <laughs> sort of the OG of um, mother archetypes, which is the goddess Gaia. She to me is just everything and she's considered like an original simply because the stories about her start at the beginning of time, right? So at the beginning of the time, there's chaos and he is creating mass and darkness and void. And then along comes Gaia and from that she creates the earth and she is the earth and she creates all the living things. And I mean, <laughs> this woman has had some experiences, right? Like it's so fascinating to read about how, you know, different gods would, would try to shut her womb or they would try to stop her from creating or they would try to control her and she would have to be so creative and so resourceful in how to move around that. Um, and, and yet the whole time she's doing it, she's creating and she's nurturing and she's bringing more life. And I love the story where there's two gods fighting, you know how they do this, right? The two gods, they're fighting and one of them cuts the other god and he starts to bleed and his blood falls into the ocean. And because Gaia is the ocean, because that's part of her, she takes that blood and from that blood, all the living things in the sea are created. And this idea that no matter what she receives, that she nurtures it and makes it into something beautiful is just my absolute favorite story about her or about any type of mother archetype. Um, that being said, the great mother archetype is not does not have to be constrained in the female form. There are men that exemplify this great mother archetype as well. And of course, immediately into your head pops the idea of Jesus, right? Because although Jesus was a male, he was constantly healing and nurturing and bringing back to life. And so he was someone that totally exemplified this great mother archetype. And even with his relationship with wisdom, right? Which we know wisdom is the goddess Sophia. Um, his intimate relationship with, with wisdom shows us how in tune he was with this feminine archetype or with this great mother archetype, which was really beautiful. Another example of a, of a man who really exemplified this archetype 
is the Good Samaritan because we know in this story, right, there's the beggar on the street and he has been beaten and he has, you know, been robbed and other people just walk by him. But then the Good Samaritan walks by and he's filled with compassion, right? He like connects to this archetype and he nurtures and takes care of and heals and brings back to life. And so even though we, when we think of the Great Mother archetype, we think of a feminine image, at the same time, there are so many examples of men who really embrace this and end up being these really beautiful examples to us of how to live. So one of the things that I would love to do is really pull apart what wisdom we get from this archetype. What does she have to offer us if we open our hearts to her? And one of the biggest things that I find we can gain from her if we open our hearts to her is this idea that we focus on collaboration rather than on competition. So we all know that as human beings in the beginning of time, we saw each other as threats and we felt like there was only so and so much. And in order to survive, we needed to fight each other in order to get right. So our survival instincts were really, really heightened. And, and we even looked at each other as threats instead of as allies. And with that comes this scarcity mindset, right? And we live this even today, right? We look at business or we look at politics or we look at our culture and we see this idea of others being a threat is still so prevalent today. And when you tap into the wisdom of the great mother archetype, she flips that switch. Like she just flips that script. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. She flips the script and she shows us that there's another way of living and that's the way of abundance right? This idea that there's always enough and there's always more and we can always create and we're always attached to resourcefulness and that it's through us giving to others that we actually receive and that we actually create the abundance that we're looking for. And so for her, when we tap into her and we gain her wisdom, we begin to see that other people succeeding is just evidence of what's possible. And we never see other people as a threat. And a great example of this is a community up here in Canada called Happy Healthy Women. And it is a network networking and marketing hub where people from all different industries come in order to support each other and help each other with their businesses. And it's really interesting because so many of us are in the same industry but we're not com competitive. We're completely collaborative. We're constantly going, what's your strength and what's my strength and where can they complement each other? And then we work together like that. And in that way, we ensure each other's success and we ensure our own success. And when a woman is in this community and she is struggling, the rest of us who are maybe having more success at that time, we really rally around her and help her figure out how to best exemplify what she does and what she brings to the marketplace in a way that will also support her success. And it's just this really beautiful environment of support and, and collaboration, which has really brought so many women into the marketplace as successful businesswomen. And it's a beautiful environment to be of, be part of. And that is the power of the great mother when you open your heart to her wisdom of collaboration. So I'd love to take a moment just to reflect on that and to have you ask yourself, in what area of your life would collaboration be beneficial, right? In what aspects of your relationship or your business 
would collaboration make you stronger and make the others around you stronger? And what would you see if you had an abundant mindset? Would you see opportunity? Would you see resources? Would you see love in areas that maybe you wouldn't if you took on a scarcity mindset? And what would happen if you trusted the creative nurturing energy inside of you to support you instead of grasping for, you know, whatever crumbs you, you can see are available, which is something that we often do. So I'd love to just take a moment and reflect, and I wish I could hear your answers. I wish we were, so wish we were doing this in person. Um, but the second, so I'll hop on to the second area where I think we can really learn from this archetypal wisdom um, of the great mother. And that is this idea that we focus more on sensing than on thinking, right? Because as a culture, we have glorified our minds, right? The rational decisions are the best decisions. And we spend most of our time analyzing and justifying and rationalizing everything. And we think that that's the best way to be in the world. But when we tap into the great mother archetype wisdom, we get this new idea that maybe sensing is a better way to, to be. Maybe listening to our bodies, right? That first line of communication is a better way to show up in the world. Because we've all been there, right? Where you've walked into a room and you've immediately gotten a vibe and you know who's toxic for you and who isn't. But what do you do? right? If you don't listen to it, you find yourself in relationships where you know you shouldn't have been or in partnerships where you knew it wasn't going to work, but you rationalized and you analyzed and you justified and, you know, you did all this pros and cons in your head, but your heart and your body knew because our bodies can pick up signals that our minds cannot even process. And so this sensing is a new way of being when we tap into this great mother archetype wisdom. And I, I have, I really connected with this sensing when my sons were born. So when Rowan was born, I spent three days trying to push that kid into the world and he was not having it. So they finally, I finally had him through cesarean and I'll never forget the first time I looked at his little eyes when he opened his eyes and he looked at me and I, it was like lightning in, inside of me. I knew that this child was imbued with wisdom that most people don't have that he had a way of knowing that not everyone gets to experience. And as I watched him grow up, I would watch him know things he had no right knowing and sensing things he had no right sensing because it had never been taught to him. So he would come home from a friend's house and he would say, oh, mom, so-and-so is totally stressed out. And I would say, well, how do you know that? And he goes, well, mom, you can feel it off her and you can see it and you can tell by the way she does this or the way she does that. And he was a little boy and he was already catching these things. And it was really incredible to watch. And he's still like that today. He's still the absolute same and he has that ability. And I knew it. The minute I saw him, I knew it. I sensed it. And when my second son was born, Harrison, I also had him cesarean. And um, I'll never forget, they tucked him into the crook of my arm. And I looked down at him and I immediately knew he was not typical. And I remember asking the nurses and the doctors, and I was saying, can you see he's not typical? Now, I will tell you, he looked like every other baby. There was 
nothing about his physicality that would have made you think that. And the doctors were like, no, he's healthy. He's perfect. Ask my husband. My husband was like, no, he's great. But I knew he wasn't typical. And when he was four and a half, he was diagnosed with high functioning autism. And I have to tell you, he is through the roof high functioning. He's in the 99th percentile for memorization and for pattern recognition. And he's through the roof in creativity and his intelligence is insane. And, and he has this way of pointing out things that we all accept as normal, but when he points them out, you realize, yeah, that isn't normal. What are we doing? And he's totally changed the way that we've lived our lives. And the minute I saw him, I knew, right? And so that's the kind of knowing or sensing that the great mother archetype can give you when you're connected with her. So again, let's just reflect for a moment, right? Where in your life have you been thinking, 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 and thinking, and really you're not getting anywhere and you need some guidance and you need some sensing where in your life do you just need to turn your mind off and feel for the answer right what's it beyond your ability to understand and so you just need to lean into knowing and because we do know right we so often know even though we deny the fact that we know through our minds Hey, East Lake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to East Lake. East Lake is a nonprofit, and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community, but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. So a third way that I think we can gain some wisdom from the great mother archetype is through the focus of of creation rather than destruction, right? So we're all giving birth to something, whether it's a business or a family or, or a community or, you know, whatever it is, we're, or an idea or a technology, we are all giving birth to something. And that thing that we're giving birth to needs that nurturing and that resourcefulness and that creativity. But one of the things that we are creating that we don't often think about is our inner voice. We all are constantly creating this inner voice and constantly interacting with this inner voice. And for so many of us, this inner voice is so critical and it tears us down and it tears other people down. And when we tap in to this great mother archetype wisdom, we look at the way she communicates and we listen to her voice and we hear the things that she says and they're so life-giving, right? And you can imagine this for yourself. Remember those people in your life that spoke good words over you, that told you you could do it when you didn't think that you could, when, when really 
you were doubting yourself, but they told you what was possible for you and what you were worth and, and all these beautiful things about you. I know I've had so many people do that in my life that I so appreciated because I would start to take their voice on as my own, right? Instead of listening to my own criticism and my own pulling of myself down, I started to allow myself to create this voice that said, yes. And so when we tap in to this great mother archetype wisdom, we can create a voice that encourages and supports and gives life. And we so need that. Personally, we need that. And God knows our communities need that, right? So like we're constantly bombarded with what's wrong and what's terrible and what's bad. And there needs to be some of that good old fashioned great mother archetype communication that's saying like, no, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're gonna be okay. Look, here's a resource, there's a resource, here's love, there's love, and let's just stop the voice of destruction and panic and crazy town because it's not helping anyone. So that being said, where do you feel like you're giving birth to something that could use some encouraging, that could use some nurturing? And where do you have something that you're giving birth to where there's a destructive voice that you need to silence with a voice of support? And in what area of your life would the creation of a voice that's encouraging and supportive and loving be really beneficial, both personally and in your community? Like I said, so, okay, so here's the truth right? This is the uncomfortable truth. With every archetype, there is a bright side and there's a dark side. And so up until now, we've just been talking about the great mother archetype, like she's all things bright and beautiful and good and amazing, but she has a dark side or a shadow side or whatever you want to call it. And so she has this side that is the terrible mother, and the terrible mother's job is to kill and destroy. And at first, this doesn't feel like it aligns with the great mother archetype. Like at first, it's like, aren't these two separate things? Like these are flip sides. Like it's just for, for me, I'm just not going to be, I'm just not going to lie. I, I felt uncomfortable and I was like, ah, oh, how can I, how can I bring peace to this? And it's like, not, nah, you just got to accept it. The you know, the great mother archetype, it has a bright side and it has a dark side and that's just how it is. And what helped me to understand it was realizing that first and foremost, the great mother archetype comes to us through nature and nature has seasons and it has spring and it has summer, which is all about giving life, but it also has to have fall and winter, which is about death and decay and getting rid of what's no longer necessary. And the great thing about that is that whatever dies becomes the foundation for what's new, right? So it's like a forest, right? Like if you think of a forest, a forest has to sometimes burn down so that it can rebuild. And what's burnt down is the foundation of what is rebuilt. And so the best example of this is from East Indian mythology. And it is in the goddess Kali. <laughs> so Kali's job was to destroy, basically feels like everything. And she is a fascinating goddess. 
she looks like no other goddess you've ever seen. So she has, you know, like four arms and four legs and her, her hand in her hands, there's swords and severed heads and her necklace is of skulls and her, her little skirt is made of arms that, uh, and all of course of the people that she's killed. And she's constantly has her tongue sticking out and she's just incredibly fierce and in your face and, and, and uncomfortable. But she's also beautiful when you take the time to really, really look at her. And the, the coolest thing about her, I think, is that she is always about doing things her own way. She doesn't look the way we think she should look. She doesn't act the way that we think she should act. And she doesn't do things the way we think that she should do them. And I think that's really important because... Without this side um, of the great mother archetype, without the terrible mother um, being there, we tend to domesticate the mother archetype into like mom and apple pie, right? And it's really stripping it of its power because the great mother archetype is powerful and this terrible mother is part of what gives her power. And we know that just like we were talking about the seasons that sometimes you have to go through death. Sometimes you have to go through destruction. Sometimes you have to kill things in order to build a new life. And sometimes you have to do things your own way and just not care what other people think. And so this side of the great mother archetype gives us that wisdom and shows us how to do that. And so a little bit of a tamer example of that, right? Because Callie is like, whoa, she's, she's something. She's a pretty extreme example of this, a tamer example of this um, that I really admire is actually Mother Teresa. Because if you think of Mother Teresa, she walked through the streets of Calcutta and she looked for the dying not to bring them life. She looked for the dying simply to help them die. And that's a really incredible thing, especially when you look at a society that's obsessed with longevity and just obsessed with just living as long as we can, right? This idea that you would walk through the streets looking for death and saying, I will help you along the journey is just absolutely so powerful. And then the other example that I really like that normally I would say probably isn't typical is the, um, the story of Jesus's mother, Mary, right? So in the beginning, we look at Mary and she is the great mother archetype. She's the nurturer and the lover and the creator. And like, she's all these beautiful things for Jesus. But just like we have summer, spring and summer, and then we fall into fall and winter, Mary also had her spring and summer. And then she had to go into a fall and winter and she had to be there and watch Jesus die. And she could not bring him life, but she had to be with him and say, yes, it is your time, but I will not look away, right? We think of, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and he's dying and everyone else is fleeing, right? All of his other followers are, are, are gone, but there's Mary and there are the other women. And I think John is there too. And maybe he had lots of great mother archetype, who knows? But anyway, there they are looking at death and looking at it unflinchingly and accepting it 
and saying, I will not try to change this for you. I will simply be here with you as it's happening. And that is so powerful because we've all been in experiences like that where we need to let things die, right? Like take a moment to reflect. What do you need to let die in your life? What do you need to kill? What do you need to just say, this is unhealthy for me. I need to build something new. And this is the process I'm going to have to go through a period of winter, a period of darkness. Um, but still knowing that that great mother is taking you through that journey. And so you're still safe with her because as she takes you through winter, as she kills these things in your life, you will hit spring and she will become good again for lack of a better way of saying it right? We all need that energy. We all need to sometimes do things our own way and not care what anyone else thinks. And, and that's the, the amazing and cool energy that, or wisdom that we find from the terrible mother. So that being said, what happens if we decide to reject this energy? What happens or this wisdom? What happens if we decide we don't want this wisdom in our life? Well, we don't have to look very far, do we? <laughs> we see it everywhere where the rejection of this wisdom from this great mother archetype causes destruction and causes an obsession with power and just causes so much harm both to humanity and to our environment. And I think that our society needs a desperate reconnection to this wisdom. And so if you're a man in society and you maybe feel like, oh, you know, I've, I have rejected this wisdom. What would some of the signs be in your life that you have? Well, men that tend to reject this mother archetype wisdom, they tend to maybe be a little bit more cold hearted. They tend to be pushy and dominating. And they may find their relationships are very transactional or rational. And they have a bend towards destruction, right? Because anything without nurturance is going to go on a trajectory of destruction. And maybe as women, maybe as women, we reject this wisdom because, you know, it's totally possible to do that as a woman. It doesn't mean that you right away accept this wisdom. Um, and if you're a woman and you've, re you know, rejected this wisdom, you may find yourself overgiving or overcompensating or being really demanding or jealous because you don't feel like you're worthy of receiving. You may be filled with self-doubt or you may find yourself heavily identifying with your emotions, right? All of these things, both in the masculine and in the feminine or in males and in females are signs that you're rejecting this wisdom. So how do you connect with this wisdom. If you find that it's something lacking in your life, how do you reconnect with it? Well, hopefully I've been able to give you some ideas on how to do that, right? With the focus on abundance, where do I see enough? Where do I see resources? Where do I see opportunity, right? Starting to train your mind to look that way is part of her wisdom that you can reconnect with. Um, also sensing, right? We talked about that where you sense instead of think really learning how to do that and diving into how to do that is going to be a way to reconnect you with this wisdom. Think putting a focus on creation, right? Where can I create? Where can I help nurture? Where can I help build up both physically and in our minds and with each other in our voices? 
Um, those are all ways that hopefully we've talked about that you can see would reconnect you to this wisdom. Then also through the acceptance of death, <laughs> right? Accepting the fact that some things have to die and sometimes you have to do things your own way, that even that can really reconnect you to this wisdom. So hopefully some of those things that we've already talked about are beneficial to you and you can see, oh, I need to do a dive into that. And just to remember, as we talked about those things, those things are muscles, right? Like they don't just happen in a heartbeat. Like, oh, now I have an abundant mindset. Oh, now I, you know, can sense instead of think, you know, whatever. That those are muscles that you're building, right? Just like you go to the gym and you work out your muscles and they grow, you have to work out the, or train yourself or work out the muscle to see abundance, right? It's, a, I'm, I'm totally butchering this analogy, but you know what I mean? It's like building a muscle. You have to train yourself to be able to see abundance. You have to train yourself to sense. And so hopefully this talk is only a start for you to go deeper into these things and go, oh, okay, how can I do that? Because it's more than I can cover in one talk. That being said, the best way to reconnect with this great mother archetype wisdom is to be in the presence of someone who embodies it, right? And when you're in their presence, to open up and to accept everything that they give you, everything that they want to share with you. Because here's the thing, right? If we're not connected to this wisdom, guess what we do? We reject it. We make it an us against them kind of a thing. Like, that's weird. You know, what's this sensing stuff that they're talking about? You know, like sometimes there isn't enough, like all these different things that we want to reject, right? The best way to reconnect with this wisdom is to find someone who embodies it. And if you have people in your life, I'm sure there's someone in your life that embodies it. And when you're around them to just open your heart and go, okay, I'm going to learn. I'm going to accept. So if you're at work and you work with women who embody this, you know, just watch them and, and observe them and accept that that's a really great way of being in the world instead of rejecting, right? Instead of going like, oh no, I reject that. I know that happens to me all the time when I explain happy, healthy women to people, they go, well, that doesn't work. And I'm like, well, we're living proof that it does. I think you need to open your eyes to a different way of doing business, right? So just opening your eyes to that. Um, when you're in the presence of someone who's speaking good things to you, right? Instead of having that immediate critical voice come up, like just pause and accept, just open your heart that this is the great mother archetype wisdom coming to you and you can receive it. If you see someone or you're with someone who goes, I just know, I just know to not brush that off, but to go, okay, tell me more so that you're constantly respecting this wisdom. Because as you respect this wisdom, and as you open yourself to this wisdom, the wisdom will start to become, will start to come inside of you. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Anyway, hopefully that was helpful to you. But that being said, I think I've chatted long enough and our time together has come to an end today. Um, and I just want to thank you for this opportunity and for listening and for joining me in this conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts um, on all the different things that we covered today. Um, just be so helpful to hear what you guys were thinking, where you think I got it right, where you think I got it wrong it would be fascinating for me to know. Um, so never, never hesitate to reach out if that's something that you'd like to do. And as you go about your life, I 
I hope that you see the great mother archetypes everywhere. And I hope that you receive her wisdom. And I hope that you allow that wisdom to become part of yourself. And then I hope that you nurture those around you to accept the mother archetype wisdom in themselves as well. Thank you so much for being here, Eastlake. I love you all, and I cannot wait until I see you again. Take care. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.